Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. This is how to get started, how to get better, and how to front run the opportunity. This is Ryan Sean Adams. I'm here with David Hoffman, and we're here to help you become more bankless. David, how are you doing, my friend? Super good, Ryan. Just came out of this interview with Stani Kolotrov from Ave. Ryan, what did you think of this interview? Man, it was, it was so much fun. I think it, uh, it's a perfect next episode from our last episode with Vance from Framework, where Vance talked a lot about these unique uh, characters in the DeFi space, these crypto native founders. And he, he actually mentioned Stani uh, by name as, as one of the archetypes of these types of founders. And we're doing we're going to be doing a series. The next few episodes, including this one, are a series where we actually talk to these crypto native founders, the actual builders, uh, the people that Vance was talking about, the people who are sort of unique to this, um, I guess, generation of DeFi protocol uh, building. And I think one of my takeaways from this conversation with Stani was just how uh, understated that Stani and his team at Ave are. Almost, I almost use the word uh, kind of humble about what they built. Uh, at one point in our conversation, Stani says at the beginning of the year, they would have been happy with 5 million locked, total locked value inside of the Ave protocol. And here we are. They have about 1.4 billion locked in uh, six months later. Just the the amount of kind of building uh, that, that's been going on with Ave, um, you know, his team style of just constant shipping product, never stopping. Uh, partnering with other protocols wherever possible, really building for the ecosystem, I found, frankly, refreshing. It's not something that you typically see, but I think it is one of the patterns you see in successful DeFi protocols. So if you're looking at like the future, trying to front run the next opportunity, um, maybe you'll see some of the, the patterns in the Ave team and what Stani and his team have, have developed uh, play out in future protocols. Maybe those types of characteristics are the investable pieces. What did you think, David? One of the lines that stuck out to me in the Vance episode was when he is interviewing or talking to founders of protocols that are looking to, like you know, eventually turn over the keys to the kingdom to the community. He he asked them, "Are you really about that life?" I thought that was a funny line. Yeah, <laughs> and Stani is absolutely about that life. And that life is what what he means by this is, you know, if you are interested in building a protocol on Ethereum, it's fundamentally different than like building out like an LLC or a C Corp or, you know, going public on the stock market. It's just a different deal. And I think Stani is particularly well suited as an exemplar person who is about that life, right? Because, you know, Ave has one of the most insane histories of 2017 and 2018, where they initially tried out this thing called ETHLAND. It was it became clear that it wasn't going to work, so they pivoted a, a protocol. Like a po- protocol pivot is a is an interesting thing in an, in of itself. And what one thing I think why we why you think that you know Stani and and Ave is understated is because you know I, I unlike companies like you know. Amazon and Jeff Bezos and and you know Steve Jobs and Apple is like I don't think Ave had this grand like you know one three five ten year plan I think yeah. in the middle of the bear market they just started working on what was obvious and what was obviously wanted and needed by the community and they just put one foot forward in front of the other and then all of a sudden because 
because of their relationship with their community and the and the feedback that they got from the community, which is a, a topic that we talk about in this podcast, they were just able to create what the community wanted. And as a result of that, there's like $1.5 billion in Aave. Yeah, it's really an amazing story. And I think it'll come through in the conversation. And really, maybe the, the last thing I'll say before we, we jump into it is there tend to be two types of uh, people that come into crypto, you know, one type is the tourist and they're here just because they've heard the hype and, you know, they you want to build something because it's hypey and they're all about that glitz and the glamour. And there's the other type that's more the crypto native, the builder, um, the one that's going to keep going in the trenches of a, <laughs> a, a soul sucking bear market. Uh, and, those are the, the teams that, and the individuals, the crypto natives, the people who are there in the bear market that I tend to trust more to carry us forward. In the future bull market, there is going to be a host of new tourists that come aboard. Uh, and you, you only can tell whether they're crypto natives or not if they're willing to continue building during the bear market as well. Yeah, making it through the bear market is just the biggest signal of commitment. Like no one can ever question whether you're here in it for the long term or not. And Aave, as one of the protocols on Ethereum, one of the biggest protocols on Ethereum, I think is pretty clear, is in it until the very end. Uh, so big fans of Aave. Let's just go ahead and get right into the interview. But before we do that, we're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors. One of the tools I've started to use recently is Zapper. For those of you that were a part of the 2017 bull market, it was characterized by just opening up Blockfolio and refreshing it over and over and over again. And also anytime you ever made a trade, you would have to go into Blockfolio and manually input that trade information to make sure that your portfolio that you think that you have matches what you actually have. With Zapper, you don't have to do any of that anymore because all you have to do with Zapper is input your Ethereum addresses and then Zapper will give you a really elegant report as to where all your money is. So there will never ever be any disconnect between the money that you think that you have and the money that Zapper reports to you. Zapper looks directly on chain and gives you a nice portfolio summary of all your assets and how many assets and your, all of your debt and all of your lending positions, all of your positions all at once. So there's no more editing your portfolio because Zapper just does it for you. One thing that I thought was really useful about Zappers was when I plugged my wallets in, I found that I had submitted liquidity to Uniswap forever ago. And without Zapper, I would have probably lost that forever because Zapper knows where your money is better than you do. It's also the gateway to investing your money into this ever expanding list of available DeFi platforms like Curve, Balancer, Uniswap, Yearn. In the bankless nation, there is this growing number of money Legos and keeping track of them all is just super overwhelming, which is why you could just go to Zapper and Zapper will, will solve the problem of there just being too many money Legos to choose from. So check them out at zapper.fi, enter your Ethereum addresses and check out your portfolio and see if there's anything that you missed. Your Ethereum address is a bankless bank account, but here's the problem. It doesn't have a human readable name. It's represented by this long hexadecimal string that no one can read. Unstoppable Domains has the solution to that problem. It provides a domain name for your Ethereum address. So instead of telling someone to send you funds to 0x, E3, BA, blah, 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 
you can tell them to send funds to yourname.crypto, a domain name for your Ethereum address. At unstoppabledomains.com, you can search for blockchain domains like this and find tools to easily launch websites on decentralized web technology like IPFS. You can even have Unstoppable Domains help you manage your .crypto or .eth or even .zil domain name addresses at their Unstoppable Domains manager. Websites have domain names, .com, .org. Your bankless bank account on Ethereum should have a domain name too. So go to unstoppabledomains.com, register a domain name for your Ethereum address now unstoppabledomains.com. All right, let's get to the interview. Bankless Nation, I am super excited to introduce our next guest. This is Stani Kolachov, who is the founder of the Ave Protocol, which is, as you know, because you are a bankless listener, a money Lego for lending and borrowing assets in DeFi. It has a phenomenal growth story. So right now there are about 1.4 billion in locked assets inside of the Aave protocol. The price of Lend, its native token, has also increased about 3,300% this year. So that means if you bought $100 worth of Lend on January 1st, you'd now own 3300 an absolutely insane growth chart, insane year for Ave. Uh, Stani, how's your year been? Are you doing okay? How's the, how's the year going so far? <laughs> I'm, 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 be, I'm pretty much dying here with all the uh, things that we're building and, and also all the traction that is coming and in the whole space. And I, 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 it's hard for me to keep up with everything, what's happening, even inside Ave. It's just been amazing, amazing year so far. You know, so David and I are both like full time, like we're, this is our job to cover all of these things and to try to keep up. And uh, we're having a hard time, not just keeping up with just things that are going on in DeFi, but keeping up with all of the things that Ave has been shipping lately. Is this just like, are, are you guys accelerating in your ability to ship things? Or is this just the symptom of a, of a bull market? I, I think we're more organized in the sense. Uh, I think we're more. Uh, we have more resources than than we used to have, and I think we are more somehow uh, smarter in the way we build. Uh, just not just code, but ship products. Uh, I, I think it's a combination of multiple things. But uh, we're we're super organized, and we just when we get a good idea, uh, a good feature, we just want to uh, get it uh, kind of like to the public and. We tend to see that many of interesting things hasn't come up into mainnet because uh, uh, I think projects are hesitating uh, too much. But I mean, it's all about innovation. I mean, the more you get stuff that helps people, removes uh, inefficiencies and, and brings value, I mean, there's no reason to wait wait with it. Well, you guys certainly don't wait. You've been shipping like demons this year. It's been absolutely insane to see. I want to you know, start with this. And we don't usually do this on the podcast, uh, Stani, because we, we tend to like to skip over the kind of the intro and, and get sort of into the meat. But I think part of the meat actually for you is the intro. Like we're doing this series on crypto native founders. And Vance Spencer from Framework uh, came on last episode and he talked about this, how it's his goal and Framework's goal to find these unique crypto native founders. And they're typically not found 
in the places that uh, traditional Silicon Valley venture capitalists uh, look for them. And now you guys started Ave in Finland, right? Helsinki, Finland. Is that right? So this is a um, you know, a country of 5 million people. It's, you know, for, for folks who aren't familiar, it's uh, very, very far north, very likely north of where you're listening this uh, to this from. Why Helsinki? How did you guys found a major DeFi protocol in Finland? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> definitely it's, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's it's not the, 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 the place where uh, you would expect uh, uh, big project come from. But in terms of like Finland is a small country, but in some way, uh, there is a lot of uh, things that are very good. I mean, in terms of education, innovation, and, and just we, we don't just see uh, usually Finland represent that much. I mean, we have a very good gaming industry. For example, uh, if everyone remem- remembers, for example, Angry Birds, Clash of Clans, these are Finnish games, actually. And if, of course. if, if someone remembers still like Nokia, like they made the best phones and they went to right the, they worst, did. the worst phones and uh, i mean <laughs> there there is innovation there uh it's just um i don't know i mean i i see it kind of like uh maybe it's because of defi we're able to do this maybe because it's the fact that anyone can build uh permissionlessly not just like use permissionlessly uh defi uh, primitives and 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 the 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 protocols but actually you can build and if you allow that i think the next biggest thing might come from i don't know from 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 uh uh some even smaller country and and that's uh, maybe that's the point of 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 whole uh decentralized finance i i totally agree i think that is the point that anyone can get started from anywhere it's permissionless you don't need to ask anyone you don't need to know someone on wall street or know someone in silicon valley to go build something and to go innovate and to go ship something. You know, another fascinating point I think about you, Stani, is that um, you've got a, a master's degree in law, right? So this is also not necessarily the typical, I guess, uh, motif of the, um, you know, the, the, the tech founder. Can you tell us about law and how that intersects with cryptos? Like, just tell us the story. How did you get involved in wanting to build something in on ethereum and in DeFi to begin with yeah i, I mean uh before uh going to to law school i i actually i, I did uh web development i, I did uh, mobile app development uh before that and uh i used to focus quite a lot on financial applications and i i, I even had a, a startup where well it wasn't a startup it was more like a a, a, a small project where I, I build an app where uh, all the gamers, gamers, for example, or anyone who gets uh, uh, income from, from App Store or Google Play, uh, there's this uh, waiting period of one month uh, and, and 15 days or so. And, and our kind of like product uh, application allowed them to get their uh, income uh, the next day, so so we did uh, a bit of uh, financing uh, in 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 that sense, and I, I I loved always development. Like I I was born always somehow like uh, close to software. Uh, my brother used to used to used to basically tweak Linux kernels, and and Linux was a big thing. It's it was a very big thing in Finland because I mean Linux 
actually is from uh, the founder is from Finland. The project started from there. So there, there is another like thing that, uh, and it's open source. I, I think Linux is the biggest open source thing out there, one of the biggest. And uh, what was interesting is that uh, programming, it's in mathematics, it's very proof like. So let's say one plus one, one plus one is two. But then again, uh, whenever I encounter regulation or law, which is very common in finance, uh, I I noticed uh, one uh, interesting thing is that uh, law law is basically opinionated uh, in in the sense that uh, there is no right or wrong, but there's actually a consensus of 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 uh, like different kinds of opinions, and that forms the the law. And and I was I was like I wanted to understand more, and I, I went to study law, and and that was pretty pretty <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> So like it just, it was it was intellectual curiosity that yeah. drew you to law school is is that the case? Yeah, I, I never intended to work as a lawyer. Uh, I, I mean, somehow it it was as a professional it could be fun in terms of like you you're able to if if especially if you're like a uh, commercial lawyer you could actually see uh, how companies do transactions and 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 help them startups uh, scale ups and and also kind of like a a a, a bigger blue chips as well, but. Uh, somewhere in in middle of uh, the law school, I started to get more involved in Ethereum. I, I guess I was researching something about uh, automatizing uh, legal agreements, and somehow somehow I ended up into a post about uh, smart contracts and started to read more and ended up in uh, uh, Ethereum Reddit and <laughs> started to think like, what is this thing? And 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 just researched like weeks and weeks and try to understand and, and grasp like what you could actually do with this, this technology. And that was like when I understood like smart contracts and, and the power, especially like the, the power of, of having immutable code. And then it kind of suddenly clicked to me, like actually we're building a something that kind of didn't exist before in this efficient way. And that was mind blowing. The, Interesting part for me was that uh, when when I was uh, designing and, and and building the the financial applications uh, like programming itself, uh, it it kind of like felt and and mathematics it, it feels like it's it's very rules uh, based. So uh, uh, what it basically means that uh, let's say you have a, a a equation of one plus one, it's two, but in in law when it comes to regulation, it's not like that. It's very opinionated. So. If you think about uh, uh, law, it's it's kind of like uh, different kinds of opinions based on in, in, uh, interpretation, and then you kind of like have a consensus on what what is the the right interpretation of, of let's say law or or what is right or or wrong in that sense, and and that uh, part of uh, fascinated me quite a lot uh, because it was very uncommon to 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 me, and I wanted to. Uh, uh, feed this this uh, in, in intellectual uh, in part, but what's interesting is that uh, I, I started somehow uh, get more involved in Ethereum because I was researching at some point in in uh, my studies about uh, automatizing uh, agreements or efficient way of making legal agreements, and somehow I ended up reading something about smart contracts and. Uh, then was one thing led to another. I was in the uh, in the uh, Ethereum Reddit community and reading all this stuff and and people doing transactions and and 
reading kind of different kinds of use cases potential and once i realized the the potential of of of, of smart contracts in terms of immutability uh i was pretty much sold because uh it was mind-blowing because once once you you deploy the code and 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 in a way that uh it's immutable you kind of don't need to trust and you can even get rid of the lawyers and in, in one way and, and simplify uh, transactions and, and make it more efficient. And that is was something that was very mind-blowing to me. So it sounds like it was almost like this confluence for you of, of things like so uh, intellectual curiosity. I'm, I'm sure you probably saw that in Ethereum and in crypto and this idea of smart contracts as law, as immutable law, and also harkening back to you know, kind of the the Linux experience with uh, with open source. It's all of those things combined. Is is that why you kind of fell in love with DeFi in the space? And at what point did you decide to actually build something here? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the open source part was was really fascinating because you you have people around the world and, and contributing. Like I always understood the the open source because I I usually tend to use open source software. Uh, when I was younger and developed software and, and during college, I didn't want to pay because I didn't afford to pay uh, different different uh, kinds of software. So I tended to try to always find open source versions and 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 uh, not much contribute. I I, I wasn't that uh, kind of like a talented in, in the sense or skillful, <laughs> but 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 definitely like I I uh, I always understood what what it means. And I, I think even more uh, in Ethereum, it, it became quite clear because you had a community which is very uh, open source centric, but actually you could build a lot of proprietary technology on top of uh, uh, on-chain ecosystems and, and in DeFi as well. But many tend not to because uh, you kind of lose the, the edge of having a community and the contribution of, of community. And uh, when I saw that happen in, in uh, in in the uh, Ethereum space, that was pretty fascinating. There was one incident that kind of like was weird to me because I came a bit before the the the, the DAO hack, and 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 I, I things were very unclear to me. Like I, I haven't grasped everything what's going on in Ethereum, and the DAO hack happened. Uh, a lot of people kind of turned their backs and thought that the the experiment was a bit of failure to some extent but for me it wasn't ever like an uh, issue i mean like i wanted to still build something and somehow i realized that i want to build something related to finance and and then i kind of started to think what that could be okay stani so you like you discovered ethereum you're intellectually curious you like smart contracts uh, but why did that end up you creating Ethland? And as a piece of trivia, for those that aren't, uh, aren't familiar, before there was Aave, there was Ethland. And so Ethland is actually the precursor to, to Aave, which, which you know, Stani and, and the Ethland team uh, started before Aave ever was a thing. So Stani, how come uh, Ethland as a, as a protocol or as a project, how come that interested you? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I wanted to do some sort of a proof of concept of a loan transaction. Uh, where where we we connect a, a lender and a borrower and they can they can basically do a a loan transaction uh, in in a tr- this trustless environment uh, and and especially like addresses are basically pseudonymous and still in a way that the uh, borrower has an incentive to repay the loan. So what we came up with is, is uh, interestingly this was the period when 
we saw the the first kind of like a decentralized exchange coming in Ethereum in 2016 it was the Ether Delta, and there was absolutely no traction. No nobody cared about it. Uh, nobody understood how to use it, uh, and it was difficult to use it. And it was an order book exchange. So <clears throat> it took a bit while uh, when when uh, these uh, tokens, ERC20 tokens that are in Ethereum got a bit of more volume and traction and people started to actually trade them. And, and we saw like uh, actually uh, liquidity. So uh, in that part, I was thinking like, okay, so we have here like uh, uh, tokens that could actually be assets, representations of anything. Why not use these assets as a collateral until the, uh, the and, and, and make a loan transaction and, and release the collateral when the borrower repays it. And that was the, the, very first concept of over collateralized loans and and we named the project uh ethland short for ethereum uh ethereum lending and <laughs> it wasn't like the it, i mean the designs were very crappy those days when you build decentralized applications you didn't give much about user experience uh the the front end it was just all about like deploying smart contracts and having some sort of way to interact and that's fine like if, if you can connect to a, a dApp and, and, and then just initiate the transaction, REST was kind of like uh, obsolete at that point. And I'm glad that we got rid of that and now we are in a state that we have beautiful user interfaces and actually user experience. But that moment was there when we, we actually started. And that was, uh, I, I mean, fascinating enough, uh, Eatland model, the over loans, is basically where half of the DeFi is based on. You, you, you borrow against a collateral and and uh, we didn't understood back then I didn't understood back then how big the space could become I, I thought it was a very nice proof of concept and probably I will forget about the project but that didn't happen yeah people people talk about the user experience of, of uh, ethereum and crypto being difficult today and I, I think those people never actually tried to use Ether Delta back in 2016. <laughs> David, did you ever trade on Ether Delta? I'm pretty sure I still have funds inside of Ether Delta. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't bother to go get them because it was thing, just such a pain. It was just so janky. Like, but it was at at one time the only place where you could get mm-hmm. particular tokens. Um, but man, it felt like something out of like the early 90s. Um, it was just, yeah, terrible to use, but okay. I want to, before we get to to Ave now and and kind of finish the story on ETHLAND, I want to talk about this because, um, ETHLAND was similar to the initial version of, of Dharma, right? Uh, another protocol that was doing peer-to-peer lending in that it was, it was peer-to-peer, right? So it was, you know, one, uh, individual with an ETH address matched to one uh, other individual with an ETH address. And I don't know like how y- you think about it, Stani, but it feels like peer-to-peer DeFi contracts haven't taken off in the way that peer-to-contract DeFi protocols have. In that like a peer-to-contract is sort of like there's this aggregate pool and you sort of you know match liquidity and you pool liquidity inside of the contract rather than always having to match peers. Was that a an insight that you developed or what are the kind of insights that you developed when building ETHLAND that led you into what Aave eventually became? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree that the, the peer-to-contract model is, 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 is more uh, efficient uh, in, in that sense. What, what's interesting uh, back then is that 
when we started, uh, <clears throat> there wasn't an ecosystem uh, like this we have today. So, so I mean, Ether Delta, where I remember first time uh, I, I wanted to to actually sell uh, tokens or buy tokens. I waited a week that that someone bought the tokens, and there were quite liquid ones. I mean, uh, I mean, it was first blood tokens, and and <laughs> and and it's like uh, uh, it's, it's just fascinating how low liquidity there was. You opened a trade, so this is like what people don't realize, don't remember about Ether Delta. So you would open a trade, and there would be no buyers on the other side. So you'd have to wait like for, a week for one days, week, yeah, like yeah, to get that trade filled, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how crazy it was. I mean, and 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 yeah. and then you have the gas costs, and then you you wonder like why I'm paying gas. Well, you wonder these days even more, but but <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's True. it's kind of like uh in, in interesting aspect and. Yeah, I mean the liquidity was very low, so and we wanted to make this transaction to happen and and this proof of concept, and we were thinking like how well what happens if if actually someone needs to liquidate the loan and and resell the collateral and 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 uh, how we make it work in a way that uh, we don't kind of risk other users. So so when the liquidity is very low, uh, it's way better to not not to pull. Uh, the risk together into a systematic form, and that is very typical uh, in in uh, low risk, uh, low uh, liquidity instruments. So, so what we wanted to do is kind of like separate the the agreements, and and uh, we even technically did it quite separately. We we deployed uh, uh, for each loan that was created, we deployed. Uh, a separate uh, smart contract, which was very stupid to do because <laughs> the, every time you deploy a smart contract, you, you you pay a lot of gas, but then the gas price was quite low. And we found out like six months later that uh, the gas prices like uh, went 10x. And, and then we were in the place that we had to refigure everything else, everything out, out again. But uh, so we had to separate the risk. So we want, we that was like one of the things we didn't want to make a situation where uh, someone can come and 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 uh, somehow use this uh, systemic risk in their advantage when they the collateral values are low liquid in markets. So so we made the peer to peer model where everyone who is funding a loan can actually decide upon their risk level, and and at that time uh, it it made a lot of sense. And and what was interesting in in this fashion is that uh it was the very first primitive of of on-chain lending and and kind of like we we wanted to look something that already exists in the traditional finance which is peer-to-peer -peer loans even though they are these days also kind of like liquidity providers uh are already like aggregated in in one one way and 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 we we started the model uh this way and at some point the DeFi started to accelerate in the sense that some of these tokens started to actually have some value. Like now we have actually shit coins that are traded, and not just shit coins that 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 uh, aren't like traded anywhere. And 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 that changed quite a lot. So you could pool risk, and and we started people to do this, and that started to actually inspire us. That okay, if they if they can do it, I mean uh, we can do it, and we can improve something. And I think that was the the moment that took us forward. So before we get to the happy 2020, I want to talk a little bit about the bear market, the grueling bear market, right? So, you know, back to back to tokens. You guys launched the Lend token 
in in happy days, right? December 2017, when everything was booming, even crypto kitties were, were selling for like, you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. launched it then, it shot up, right? So from whatever the launch price was to about, you know, 39 cents in January 2018, right? Everything was going crazy. There was not a lot of rationality to it. Not a lot of uh, cash flows or token economics that were thought through. People were just buying everything. Um, but then we had the 2018 bear market start shortly after, and it seems like shortly after you guys launched, um, Ethereum lost 95% of its value. Uh, but like tokens like Lend lost even more than that. It lost 99% of its value. Um, and by, by 2019. So like the pit of a, the bear market, um, I think again, you know, memories are short lived, but, uh, people don't remember how, um, despondent, uh, mm -hmm. DeFi teams were feeling like, um, you know, Ethereum was dead. Bitcoin is the only, uh, app for crypto, all of these things. How are you feeling? And, and to add a little bit more color to that, there are plenty of 2017 tokens that w did exactly what the Lend token did at the start of 2017 and then, and then mooned and then in 2018 went to like not, lost 99%, right? And there are plenty of tokens that are still at 99% losses, whereas Lend has not. And, and there's also, there's also, and there's also tokens that, that uh, they used to do something completely else. And and lose ninety nine percent of the value, and now they're doing DeFi. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, okay, but but um, in, in in the bear market, with you know your your token ninety nine percent down, down, everyone's saying like DeFi is dead, Ethereum is dead. How are you feeling? Like it seemed like you guys kept building, but how you know did you ever think it's over? Ben Horowitz uh, has has a book which I love. It's called The Hard Things About Hard Things, and he talks about every Every you know protocol, every startup has its uh, uh, WIFIO movement moment. That's WFIO, where it's like we're effed, it's over, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they have to go through that to come out on the other side. Did you have that moment? Did you think it was like not going to work out? Well, actually, never, because uh, we, I mean, we did raise substantial funds, but kind of uh, in in terms of like building the the ideas that we always think about at at, at Ave and back in Ethland. Like we were always like thinking like uh, like 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 when can, when can we ship this new thing like when we could uh, move to the next thing and like we we had so many ideas that we wanted to actually uh, get into the mainnet. I still have I, I still have a lot of a uh, lot of uh, uh, kind of like a, a uh, proof of concepts that we we, we basically were brainstorming to. Uh, two three years ago, and that are very viable products today. If if we will ship them, and it's just kind of like uh, we we have always been a bit unresourced, uh, and because we are a small team, so we have to focus on the very very core. And uh, but I, I can say that uh, during that that uh, kind of crypto winter period, it was it wasn't easy. I mean, it wasn't like. People are like losing faith, and just because of the the, the valuations and the market is is uh, going down and 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 not giving like a much about what people are building. That was like sad. At least it was sad to me. Like because like I mean we were shipping more stuff all the time. We're we're getting more knowledge, 
and and we're building more things than more than ever and 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 basically people weren't that excited about it and 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 I think the good part is that we 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 definitely had very diverse community and uh we had a lot of users from from even today like many users from uh, many other users are actually from from the uh Eastland uh, era and for them it's fascinating because they have seen our very first products and like which look completely like crap and where we are where we are today for for them this is like a like a journey and they have been part of it and that's like fascinating and and there's still a lot of people who come all the time that they're saying that been following all the time and haven't been active but but uh, it's just amazing how you guys are uh, proceeding and and I, I i think for us the 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 thesis always been the the innovation we didn't care about on the markets and and to be honest uh, when i came to ethereum i never uh, came to invest i i bought ethereum for gas and, and that's all about it. I, I had I needed gas for deploying contracts and and to to pay <laughs> transactions, and that that is why I needed Ethereum. I never needed for as an investment. Uh, I I like to build financial products, uh, but I don't want to kind of like focus too much on investing. I love to build things. I'm a, I'm a builder. I think. So let's talk a little bit more about the Ave community during the bear market. Uh, you you said that there were people that that stuck around and people that you know paid attention. But that couldn't have been the same throughout 2017 and then into 2018 and 19. So how, how did the Aave community kind of fill their niche around Aave? Because from, from what I understand now, the Aave community is one of the probably the, the gold standard in, in crypto, right? In terms of like having a strong relationship with the team use, and the team using the Aave community to iterate on their products. Tell us, tell us about the transition from 2017 to, to 2018-19 with the Ave community. I think what was important that we, when we 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 were building Eatland, we we basically uh, finished all the features that we wanted to deliver uh, to the community, and then we started to build uh, the next thing. But for us, what was important uh, that actually like our community is more about uh, what what could be built next, and and. Uh, compared to that, uh, uh, too much uh, giving, giving kind of like a, too much sticking on something very puristic, and I really love that because it gives space to ship. And it's interesting now, like uh, I mean, we're shifting towards decentralized governance where the token holders make all the decisions, and I'm really uh, curious to see like how it will play out in the future because. Uh, Ave as a team will will build things like I, I hate the idea when when uh, uh, you know you you basically give you build the protocol you build the product and give it to the community and then you you basically say okay I'm out of here and I, I I just don't believe in that I, I believe that you are still like a stakeholder in in what you're building and if you look at for example uh, uh, Linus Torvalds in, in in as a kind of like member of the Linux community he's still very active. And same for, for example, Vitalik in, in Ethereum. And I, 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 these are kind of like a people where actually like, I like the, the idea of like kind of like being uh, present in the, in the uh, ecosystem. Uh, and uh, I think it will be interesting to see because there will be other uh, teams also building on, on top of Aave and also making pull requests uh, into the core of the protocol. And curious to see like what direction it will take and I, uh, the good thing about we're always listening to community in, in, in that sense. So 
So, so uh, there, there usually haven't been like difficult times. I, I guess more when there's difficult times, we have got a lot of respect in the sense that uh, we build things and we, we, we don't disappear if, if we fail with one thing or something doesn't work. We just try to find a solution. And I think people just trust us in, in that sense that uh, they want to give us support and, and uh, push us forward. And I, I think uh, end of the day, like your your uh, product is as strong as your uh, community and your your in, including users in, within the community. So so uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 vital part of Aave. Did the community ever take a more like active role in in product development? Like how how did the communication between team and community go? Like while you guys were making this pivot from Ethlen to Aave. Like what, what, um, impact did the community have in actually making like design decisions or, or, you know, meaningful and impactful choices? Did any of that happen? Yeah. I I remember like, kind of like we, we, we showed some designs and, and we, I mean, when they were crappy, we got like a lot of, uh, (laughs) a lot of, uh, uh, like negative feedback and we realized, okay, now we, we really need to like make some, some better UX, like, and we understood like the, the importance of it. Because uh, many of the community members, they're not like always this kind of like a super DeFi super user type. We do have them in our community, and 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 uh, but we also have uh, community members who are just uh, they might deposit once and and forget for a long time, or they might just basically uh, they support DeFi, but for some reason they don't want to use it at the moment and just want to follow the the action that is happening. And, and might be a, like a token holder, but holding still in centralized exchange. So the, the feedback has been very, very, uh, I mean, community is, is somehow, you have this feedback loop and go back and forth. And having this for many years is, is amazing. It, it, the feeling is just super nice because you know, there's, there's certain people there. Like if you, if you publish uh, some designs or, like product updates, you know, you, you know, there's, there's, there, there are people who have followed you and, and are like actively participating and that feeling is amazing. So you, you, you kind of trust that, uh, you, you have, you have, uh, you have audience and, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's, uh, we, we, we never, we, we try to not take it as a granted and, and like appreciate like where we are, uh, and, I, I think we wouldn't be here without uh, the 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 whole uh, token sale and and this 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 kind of like a path to to roller coaster from from bull market to bear and and back here. Uh, I think this has kind of bring more strength in in our community. Hey guys, we're gonna pause the interview with Stani so we can talk about some of the Bankless sponsors that make the Bankless Nation possible. Bankless Nation, do you want to go fully bankless, but in the real world? Monolith is the DeFi account that you need. It wraps your ETH address in a bankless Visa card and it does so much more. It closes the loop from fiat to DeFi. So you can onboard fiat to DAI on Monolith with zero fees. Then you can convert that DAI to ADAI, which is an interest bearing savings account. Again, zero fees. And then you can spend that interest in the real world 
on a Visa card so you can finally buy your cup of coffee with interest earned in DeFi. Guys, this is magic. This is the closest thing to the Holy Grail crypto card and Monolith gives you all of it. You need to download the app at monolith.xyz to get your bankless Visa card. It's optimized for European listeners. They'll be coming to the US soon. And when you get that Visa card, the Monolith card, tweet about it when you do. I love seeing people unpackaging their beautiful bankless Visa cards. It makes me realize that the revolution is here. Search Monolith in the App Store. Ampleforth is a new base money experiment on Ethereum. Many people have heard of this new rebasing mechanism, and Ampleforth was the protocol to first introduce that into the Ethereum space. Ampleforth is very comparable to Bitcoin in the sense that it has a non-dilutive supply. However, there's one thing about it that's inverse with Bitcoin, whereas Bitcoin has a completely inflexible supply, meaning any demand for BTC, the asset, is therefore reflected in the price. And Ampleforth is the inverse of that, where Ampleforth is pegged to $2019 and any demand for the Ampleforth token is reflected in the supply of the asset, not the price of the asset. So the Ampleforth token tracks $2019 slowly over time. So it should never be too far away from $2019. And in order to achieve that goal, it adds or burns Ampleforth token supply so that the market generally prices it around the value of a $2019. It is definitely not a stable coin because the volatility of the value that you hold will fluctuate up and down wildly, but the token itself is supposed to track a dollar. Pretty interesting experiment. There's been a lot of spin-offs using this rebasing mechanism. They also have this liquidity mining program where you can supply Ampleforth and Ether tokens to the Uniswap pool and you'll be able to get an extra dividend of Ampleforth tokens from the Ampleforth geyser. So check them out at ampleforth.org and see if this is an experiment you want to partake in. All right, guys, let's get right back to the interview with Stani. So you mentioned the token sale. Uh, did you guys have funding before that token sale from like venture capital? No, I mean, it's, it's quite difficult in the sense that uh, we were building technology back in the days that uh, was very, very novel in the sense right. that uh, the ecosystem didn't exist. And also uh, me coming from Finland, small country, which is like not, not a VC playground. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, being that age, still studying. Uh, I mean, I could not see a, a VC fund placing a bet on what we were doing back then. You will need something more like kind of like a democratic way to raise funds. And as we did the token sale, I afterwards realized by analyzing that actually, like, uh, if if this way of funding will not exist, we will not be here. I mean, no way uh, any, like, kind of like a, I mean, in that stage early, any VCs will invest in us in, in those those kind of, like, uh, circumstances. I, I mean, I, we, we knew that we could build things, but betting on this kind of technology and ecosystem uh, today it's easy. I mean, it's very easy to go and 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 find a project and 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 which does some solid stuff and just invest because there's an ecosystem. There's like market and like cross interactions. But I mean, back then there's Ether Delta, which wasn't even liquid, and I mean, not 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 an easy scenario in that sense. 
the Lend token sale happened in November of 2017. And you guys, from what I just looked up just now, you guys raised a little bit shy of $18 million, which, I mean, as far as market caps and valuations go, that is insanely low for what we know of today. And so you're telling me that the $18 million that you guys raised in November of, of 2017, plus I'm sure there were some Aave tokens held by the team, all, all of that raise was done in an ICO and all of the funding that you guys took was done from the ICO to people that were involved in the community at that time. And to me, I, I want to highlight something here because, you know, the ICO is kind of synonymous with like, you know, the F word. It's like a bad, it's <laughs> yeah. like a bad word now. Like the, I, like the, it, we always look back on the ICO mania as like this time where a lot of retail got scammed, you know, people got burned. But I think we forget that like, the the bad side of the ICO mania came out of like a very very good side of the ICO mania like the 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 most good for example i would say was like ethereum like the most fair ico of all time and then augur came not totally. too long afterward and and ave i think we, people should remember that like and and ave is a leading example of an ico that was fundamentally good that did its job in both at like giving funds to the team because they need that funds to build out the pro protocol, but also using the token as a community shelling point, a community uh, uh, coordination tool. And so I just think as the ICO model was done with a complete success with the Aave team. Yeah. And I think what's, what's funny is that, uh, like I, I see kind of like uh, betting on the Aave team is, is, is it feels like betting on reliability. So, so we, we kind of went the ups and downs and, and we're still here. So, so, so it, it's, it's more certain in, in, in that way. But uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, lots of things happened and I, I'm pretty sure that once this whole yield farming craze uh, will end, uh, we will see like a lot of disappointments. But also if you look at the venture capital award and, and investments in general, Let's say uh, you make 10 bets and nine will fail and one will be the jackpot. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's even more kind of like uh, similar scenarios and investments in general. But I really like the idea. Like, I, I still don't understand, like, why people aren't doing uh, this so-called DICOS, which is a combination of, of a DAO and an ICO uh, token sale, which, which, which is something that uh, uh, Vitalik himself... Uh, kind of uh, suggested that that could be a, a, a model to try in the sense that uh, you actually have a, a fair launch model where, where uh, you, you basically sell the, uh, sell, sell the governance power to the token holders and, and that, that those funds are going into the DAO and, and they get instant governance in, in that sense. And there's like incentives are so aligned. And, and we're now having this kind of like a fair launch model that we call uh, where you give everything to the community with this uh, farming. But uh, I think it's very unfair and I can, I can uh, later tell why. So Stanny, to wrap up this, this portion of the conversation, when we had Vance on, uh, on the podcast from, from Framework, he talked about how teams that were handing over the governance of the protocol off to the community were looking, uh, inherently looking for valuations that were far beyond like the traditional c-corp valuations or the core the the companies that you find on the stock market right and because these things because inherently these things are protocols they aren't companies and protocols just are bigger right and so when you guys were in 2017 2018 building out ave 
were you guys thinking along those lines or were you just kind of, you know, heads down building or what was the, what was the end goal for Ave back in 2018 and 2019? Yeah, I, I think, uh, most of we were, uh, heads down building, but we, we kind of tried to a bit of like, uh, think of like where the space is going and sometimes there were difficult times in the sense that we didn't see things moving uh in in the space kind of like we we had a long narrative i mean there was a long time a narrative where uh like there's uh only a few DeFi users and you know like we build a lot of stuff i mean because we, we were embracing how much there's developers building in DeFi and so many cool things and the, just a couple of users and and this this kind of like a meme and now it's it's insane i mean this this kind of like a narrative was back in a uh, year and a half ago and now we're in a completely different uh, situation and it's it's interesting so one of the the the, the time times on those 2018 uh, 19 like we had this kind of like periods that we we're not getting more users and like why why isn't this working as an e- ecosystem? And like, and we weren't like disappointed, but we we were thinking like, what we, <laughs> in a funny way that what we like didn't build or what what's left to build that we can actually get more people uh, involved. And funny, like like what's really funny is that it's actually the incentives that drew everyone. And the very first incentives were basically uh, having stable coins and earning interest on them, and that got a lot of attention. I mean, you saw interest rates from 5 to 7% uh, annually, and then you compare it to the traditional finance where it's close to zero. You, it makes you wonder like, wow, uh, this, this, uh, this new world could be, there could be some potential here. I personally absolutely love the fact that the Silicon Valley VCs of the world and the Wall Street finance people totally missed Ave. I just love it <laughs> because it's just like, you know, that's the story of of DeFi. That's kind of the bankless story. It's it's kind of the underdog, right? The, the, anyone has access to these tools from anywhere in the world. They don't have to be part of these established networks in order to succeed here. What they have to do is build something that people want. But it, it, it still is, I think, uh, an incredible story. So um, not that long ago, we're talking six, seven months ago, uh, Stani, Ave had less than um, a couple hundred thousand dollars locked inside of it. Um, so it was tiny. Uh, now, fast forward to, to now, we've got like over a billion. We've got like something like 1.4, 1.6 billion locked in this protocol over the past seven months. Like that kind of growth is absolutely insane. Even by like Silicon Valley standards, they don't see this sort of thing. Can we talk for a bit about why you think that growth has come? So you mentioned incentives. Um, is that the reason? Is it? Is it also that you guys have just been like you know, building so much and you're just building faster and innovating faster than every everyone else. I guess my question is, in the in the two years of the, the the bear market, what the heck did you guys build to account for this seeming overnight success that we've seen in 2020? Yeah, I mean, uh we we definitely didn't expect this kind of growth. Like our 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 idea was very uh 
um, I mean, it was, we always had ambitious goal to 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 uh, achieve, but it wasn't like uh, we. <laughs> I wasn't expecting even the DeFi space to grow so much, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, we would be happy if we had like 5 million block value and that would, be, that would have been super awesome. And then we will be thinking, okay, what, what will be the next features we will build? But I, I kind of felt somehow that uh, we, we put a lot of effort in the, the actual protocol launch. I mean, we built it for quite a long time. I, I think it took us almost a year to deploy and we put a lot of effort in in what we were building and, and trying to perfectionize it, and and having all these features like the A tokens that that accumulate in 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 user balances and having native flash loans and all of the stuff that we we were uh, implementing. I mean, it kind of paid off, and I, I I guess one of the bigger things is that. It's quite developer-friendly protocol, and it's it's very easy to build on top. And we noticed that uh, most of the liquidity comes from actually, and transactions comes from different kinds of uh, products that have been built on top. For example, we were when we launched in January, we we got quite a lot of uh, deposits and, and borrowings, but uh, no one actually was using flash loans. And 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 that was actually an interesting part of this kind of underdog story because our flash loan has a uh, this kind of like a reward uh, fee to the depositors. So whenever there's a flash loan on a particular block, it means that it, it gives a this kind of like a uh, spike in their yields, depositors' yields. So let's say if there's a die flash loan. Uh, typically now today there can be even like a, a fourteen million worth of I borrow it in a flash loan that gives a small spike in the uh, all the, the, the depositors uh, uh, yields and that's that's pretty uh, cool because it's it's arbitrary so so uh, and what we noticed that uh, kind of like the the Silicon Valley uh, this uh, perception was that actually you don't need to charge in the beginning you don't need fees and uh, you know you, you're looking for market share and, and for us, it was like a bit of bullshit in the sense that, I mean, if you're building products, you can, you can, you can have fees, you can, you can, because you're building value in, in that sense. And when you're building value, you can, you can definitely charge. And how we are doing in the, in the protocol and in, in the future is, is actually that the, the, the fees goes to the uh, stakers and, and, and eventually to the token holders and, and whatnot. But kind of, I think people were too shy on breaking things in a good way. You know, there's so many patterns, not just in DeFi, but but in in, in product development. And those people who are actually going in and breaking those barriers, they're succeeding. I, I mean, uh, that is the, the, the innovation and, and how, we, how, how we, we get further. And uh, we promoted the flash loans and, and talked to different developers and, showed them like how what kind of cool things you could do i i did a blog post on uh, like seven different eight different use cases of flash loans and uh and then some of the actually developers listened to me <laughs> and and kind of like they started to implement and i didn't even know about that and then what happened the black thursday came 
and we see you suddenly see this kind of a needle in the graph. You know, we have this kind of uh, if you go to Aave Watch, you have this this uh, graph of of like the the uh, usage, and and we had this kind of huge needle that went up, and that was basically flash loans, and we were like, whoa, where is it coming from? And there was a project called like DeFi Server that allows you to liquidate your CDP before it goes to the liquidators and, and you lose your kind of like the incentive uh, to them. And I mean, this kind of things, and, and once people saw like the, the what, what kind of things you could do with flash loans, it took forward. Of course, there was a couple of flash loan related hacks that gave a lot of uh, publicity to the, the actual function. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, being close to developers and, and, being part of that with them when you brainstorm adds a lot of value added and 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 helps others to actually use your product as well. And for those that aren't aware, this this flash loan mechanism that you're describing was uh, you know pretty innovative, right? And I, I think Ave, did you guys? I don't know if you came up with the idea of, of flash loans, but you certainly popularized it. Um, and it, it's this idea. And jump in here, Stani, if you know if I don't recap it quite correctly, but it's this idea of in a single block, so in a just one short Ethereum block space of time, you can, in an instant, borrow some funds, uh, use those funds to accomplish some purpose in you know kind of the DeFi landscape, and then um, give give the funds back, and you're charged a rate for that. But it's a it's a the kind of thing that doesn't really exist in traditional finance. Um, is that how you describe what a flash loan is? And like, who came up with this idea? Where'd you guys, you know, figure this out? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of exactly. That. I mean, it's something that is isn't in traditional finance in the same form. Uh, and flash loans itself, I mean, it it always existed in in the uh, in 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 Ethereum because of the atomicity how you, how the Ethereum settles uh, transactions. But I, I've seen a lot of flash loan implementations before us. I, I've seen like uh, I, I think even like multiple. But I never saw like actual uh, mainnet implementation utilization uh, kind of like before us. So I think what happened is that uh, we 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 just made made it fashion and 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 somehow popularized it. But definitely I've seen seen before implementations, and I go a lot of code. Uh, I used to go a lot of code more more than I do today. But I used to go like repositories and, and search from different kinds of. Uh, like what what kind of project people are building and and uh, and 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 I, I definitely saw a couple of uh, uh, implementations, but didn't mind that much. I, I think one of our developers, uh, Emilio, uh, basically started to. I mean, he was very into uh, this atomicity and and kind of came up with uh, his own sort of implementation that we eventually uh, used and still use. And we we are coming what with version two where we have again a completely a bit different kinds of different kind of a uh, flash loan implementation and i mean yeah it's 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 one of those things that uh kind of like this this uh defi thing defi existed for a few years nobody cared and now everyone is caring because of the incentives so i mean it's fascinating how how the the network effects work like they they come and when they come they come all together yeah, I, I guess another, I guess, way that Ave was an underdog is it's actually, it, you know, feels in a way almost like a second mover 
advantage uh, type of product, right? So, you know, Google certainly wasn't the first search engine. Aave wasn't the first lending and borrowing protocol to, to do something in a kind of a peer-to-contract type way. Compound seemed to be first. Compound, a Silicon Valley company, you know, if coming out of that, the A16Z, coming out of that whole uh, zone, it, it seemed like at the beginning of the year that kind of Compound had this space covered completely. But here you guys are, and you've now surpassed Compound in terms of total locked value. Is there something to that second mover advantage that you think accounts for your success? Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to be the the, the kind of like a top dog. I mean, we were in in, in D five polls uh, in like uh, for for a week and something as as the most value locked. Even the the metric is is a bit uh, uh, not suitable for for covering all the different kinds of uh, uh, financial protocols. But uh, I mean, we felt bad in, in the sense that like it, it's not cool to be there. I mean, it's way cooler to be below and and kind of like uh, compete with with the with the innovation and not not. Not worrying about like what's your kind of rank in in that sense, and uh, I, I I think for us like our goal was always to to build a product that everyone uses, and I mean everyone that that we have certain user base and and we're happy what we're doing, and and uh, I mean we're always competitive. We love what others are doing in the space, and and really admire everyone's work. I mean, the stuff people are building these days, it's, it's amazing. There, there is some, and technical even, technical implementations, uh, there's there is good amount of talent now. And I, I, I hope we get uh, even, even more. So I, I guess like the, the being an underdog is way better, uh, at least for us, because we don't need to worry that much of a pressure. But of course you get a bit of pressure when, when you're, uh, getting closer to to uh, someone that is that is above you, and but it, I mean I don't know it's it's fun competition and we work quite closely with everyone, and and we try to be uh, very approachable and 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 kind of like be as 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 uh, uh, collaborative as possible. I, I still think that the the DeFi ecosystem is like everyone. Uh, works together in some way, but we have like difficulties to reach upon coming up with standards, best practices, and and actually like uh, embracing them. Even even though we have been already a while, and I don't know, it might be because everyone is is building heads down, or or just kind of like we're still like looking too much on on TVLs and 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 kind of like competing a bit. Uh, but I I think that we will move forward from this space and uh, interesting times will come. So Stanny, what about the culture differences between a team like Ave and a team like Compound? Um, where, uh, like Ryan, Ryan alluded to, Compound is the Silicon Valley-esque A16Z-backed found, uh, pr- uh, startup that is a startup from a founder that has plenty of startup experience. And where Ave is like this team out of Helsinki a very grassroots organization, very grassroots leadership, grassroots community, funded by an ICO that, and that that ICO seeded that community in a way that Compound never really Compound earned their community to to not uh, to give uh, credit to where credit is due, but the the genesis of Compound came as a venture capital type of investment, right? And and Ave is just not is just a little bit at the opposite, and Compound seems to kind of 
go along with this like very slow, very meticulous, never ever risk anything type of type of attitude where Ave is much more uh, move, move fast and experiment quickly. Uh, definitely not alluding to move fast and break things. If if any of the listeners just had that pop into their head, um, how do you credit like the culture differences between these two organizations to like the the differences in the resulting product? Yeah, I mean, like uh, of course, like I, I'm 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 from from Finland myself, but actually, when we look at the the team, it, it's quite uh, like quite global and in the sense, like I mean. Uh, I mean, we, our headquarters is 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 now uh, in in London. We have an office in in Switzerland. Uh, we have so many national nationalities. I, I think there's like twenty three employees in Avem, and and most of them are developers. That's why we ship <laughs> ship quickly. <laughs> but uh, uh, what's what's interesting is that uh, I think everyone has somewhat like a uh, persona or media like social media presence and 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 participates in different kinds of communities. And I think that's very important for us. I, I can't speak much about like how uh, Compound is doing things. Of course, like they, they have their own way of doing stuff, but uh, we, we really want to be uh, very open uh, and innovative how we do things. And, and definitely like if we see an opportunity, uh, we want to take it and we want to take it as fast as we can. And, and, and kind of like experiment how things go. And even in ter- ter- terms of like building, it, it's very challenging to build uh, protocols that are holding a lot of funds because it requires so much uh, procedures and, and effort in terms of uh, security and, and the way you develop uh, the architecture and, and all the, the, the afterworks uh, that you need to do. So in, in that sense, it's not easy, but I guess it's also about how you build and and structure and architecture your 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 offerings because you could always build products on top and I I think that we have done done pretty well but I think important stuff for us is that we we don't want to be associated into one particular place I don't think uh, we want to be European or we 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 want to be like a a, a seen more preferred in us we want to be this kind of like a global uh thing in a way that uh we have brand exposure in us europe and asia and and we we try to get like as as wide demographic as possible and that is the key when you build something that is very decentralized and like autonomous protocols because you succeed if actually that protocol is used globally in different parts of the world and not just like used but like you have contributions that that people are like contributing and building, and 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 helping out in in the community. So so when we achieve that thing, uh, that's pretty important. And I, I personally like I, I I think VCs coming into the 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 space uh, and it was like a couple of years ago, and it was like a this institutions are coming moment for for DeFi when we saw like VCs taking uh, investments. I think in one way well, that was really good because we a lot of good projects were were built. Uh, now it's difficult to say when we are in this uh, like a fair launch model, uh, give it straight to the community and and how this VC uh, VC part will play. But uh, I I see like benefits in both of them, and I I think uh, the 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 community members at, at least have 
decisions to make what kind of community they want to belong. Uh, but definitely, like uh, our goal is to be as open community as possible. And 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 yeah, I think maybe that's the the difference. We want to be global. So I want to uh, just harp on this a little bit more. The so Ave has had their token out for since 2017, right? Since the ICO, since November. And the Ave like number of addresses that hold the Ave token is over over a hundred thousand. Whereas Comp and their brand new token has only been out for a few months. And it did this fantastic job with kicking off this whole like concept of yield farming and liquidity mining as a fair distribution mechanism. But as a coordination mm-hmm. tool, Comp is just behind. They just they are very recent, they're very new. And whereas Ave's token as a coordination mechanism, both as a coordination mechanism between the community and the team, has been going on for years now. Do you attribute any success of to, to Ave's protocol uh, to, as to this the establishment of the token much earlier than Compounds? Yeah, I, I think, uh, honestly, mostly I think it, it just takes time to 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 actually like build uh, this reliability of of uh, of success and I, I think like it boils down to the discussion like that we we, we we saw the ups we saw the down and we're still here we're building we're shipping so uh, I think our community and and, and uh, in general uh, people understand somehow that uh, like we are we're serious on what we're doing and and we we keep building and and <laughs> Uh, like that, that there there isn't like a this isn't like a trial or th- this isn't something that we are uh, trying to 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 figure out like whether this works or not. If if we don't succeed in the first time, we will we will we will kind of like we will pivot and do something uh, differently. If it doesn't succeed again, we will just redo. I mean, we're not leaving anywhere uh, on on the upper side. Like we we want to expand and we want to. Uh, grow the the product offerings and and improve our protocol and 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 kind of like get get community involved as as much as possible. And I definitely agree that it takes time to 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 build things. And uh, and I, I don't have like anything like uh, bad to say about Compound because I I really respect what they're doing and I I kind of I, I like to have them as a competitor or like a kind of like one market participant in the space because they're doing good job so it, it keeps me uh, even more active to do even better job and and try at least try to do better job <laughs> and in in that sense uh, and but in terms of like fair distribution models uh, I, I I don't know like if you look at the yield farmings I don't see them that fair because like uh, this isn't ready to compound itself but it actually like what we see today for example where where we have this liquidity mining purely in the sense that uh, you 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 get you, you generate the, the you print this token to the governance uh, to the to the liquidity providers who are who are basically putting liquidity into whatever you're doing and and farming farming the token and and what happens is that uh, uh, it's kind of like a free money in in that sense so so liquidity providers come and the more you have uh, money the the more you're farming right so so you're getting more tokens and then if you are smaller uh you have a smaller uh, amount of funds and and you want the token you actually by farming it the same way you are not getting uh as much as governance power so you are kind of like forced to uh buy the token so you see other people are printing with large amounts of money and selling it to the uh to the smaller audience 
And I see it actually uh, the opposite as unfair distribution model. And I think it will 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 not end well. I mean, uh, I, I definitely like I, I've seen like very good models of 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 this liquidity mining or in in, in inflation incentives rewards uh, whatever you name it. Uh, for example, synthetics, which which was one of the earliest models, and the, their system seems to work uh, uh, quite well. But the stuff I see today is a bit uh, uh, bit kind of crazy. Yeah, things are certainly getting a little crazy, <laughs> that's for sure. And so, you know, one of the things I think is, is super underrated is actually going through a bear market. Um, that's you know part of what distributes your token to the community and particularly to the holders, the, the true believers of that community. Bitcoiners have been saying this for a long time, actually. Uh, and I, I think they're right. You know, Bitcoin is the probably the most widely distributed, probably Ether after that. Um, both going through bear markets. Going through a bear market can be the best thing you can actually do counterintuitively to build up, uh, build better distribution of your token and to build your community. Um, I, I want to talk about maybe one last area of, I think, success or something that's unique about Aave before we talk about roadmap and Avonomics and everything cool you guys have in the pipeline. And that's this. It feels like you have an uncanny ability, um, your team, the Aave protocol, uh, of building up these unique partnerships, like these protocol partnerships, like bringing other DeFi um, tools and, and DeFi protocols together to build something cool. So, you know, part, partnership with OpenLaw to create this unsecured lending, almost like a credit primitive uh, partnership with with Realty. You've got real world assets coming into Aave. Um, even maybe I want to talk about this the most because Andre is uh, somewhat from the YFI project we had in the podcast a few episodes ago. Uh, Wire, and that is, he is a uh, becoming kind of a, a DeFi celebrity, if you will. And I feel like you know, is the case that you guys were working with, or you were working with Andre, um, you know, many months ago on some of these projects. Like you saw the potential of the sorts of yield farming that he was doing and building, and uh, it feels like there's there's a partnership there as well. Can you can you talk about some of those partnerships and maybe focus on uh, your partnership with some of these developers like Andre? Yeah, I mean, in in terms of like the different projects and, and like kind of like, I I think one of the interesting success usually is that we we try to find a simple way to make things happen. Like when we when we discuss with different projects and we're trying to find something that we could do in common, like to solve some efficiencies or provide value added, like uh, they tend to co- become complex. Like that that was my like previous experience. But now I, I see that we are very good at like finding something very, uh, very easy, and simple way of, of uh, executing, and that's that is what has happened like with with the different projects, and we're doing really cool stuff with with uh, Realty and and, and Open Law and, and just like showing the potential, like the the credit delegation. Uh, I mean, many missed kind of uh, actually the the bigger value proposition. So so so. Definitely, like the the open law uh, and kind of like uh, delegating your credit to someone you trust or 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 uh, someone you make a legal agreement. That that just shows like how you can unlock liquidity from DeFi. But actually, like what's what's the cool part is that uh, for me, who who kind of uh, is 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 very like a, a crypto native, uh, is that uh, and, and 
and smart contracts native is that you could delegate your credit into a smart contract. And if you know the predefined functions that what that smart contract can and can't do, uh, <clears throat> you can assess the credit risk and say, okay, there is not much risk here because it just can uh, borrow the funds, uh, deposit them into somewhere else and, and, and farm some token and, and sell it. And then after a period of time, uh, return the funds. And if it's not returned, I can myself call the function and the funds will be returned and I get whatever proceeds there are. And this is like credit delegation, uh, the actual potential, like from one smart contract, from, from the protocol, from the depositors to, to smart contracts. And uh, Andre is an interesting individual. I mean, we have worked for, for quite a while and, and uh, uh, like we, we always brainstorming things. And, and like what I like about Andre is that uh, uh, we... We build the things for Aave and we build, I mean, uh, common stuff. And, and also uh, we help each other in terms of brainstorming uh, I, I ideas. And I mean, it's also kind of like a, a uh, uh, like a mental support for each other in terms of like things are going quite hectic in DeFi and it's not, not easy, especially for Andre, because I mean, uh, he started to develop by himself. Now people are helping, which is amazing. Uh, but there's a lot of stress when you're building stuff on DeFi. The, the, I mean, he made a post once about like how building on DeFi sucks, and it, it really sucks in the sense that uh, people want to blame and, and point point fingers, and 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 it's it's kind of like uh, not always right. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the coolest part is about this relationship is that Andre has built. Things like when you when you talk about ideas with someone, like maybe this and that could be built, like normally it never happens, or you find only kind of like uh, reasons not to build. But usually with Andre, it's kind of like uh, uh, he he builds it, and uh, I mean that's a that's a cool thing to do. And and there's like many of this kind of like developers that are shipping, and some are like doing it in a different way, and but. Uh, I, I really like what's happening in, in 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 the whole ecosystem, and I really love how like Andre was using uh, Aave already in a way that was uh, uh, pretty cool before this this whole uh, Wi-Fi uh, phenomenon, and that was that was like really really amazing, and I am really happy uh, that he 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 continued uh, back in the days. I mean, and continued to build and. Yeah, and, and I mean, part of this relationship stuff with everyone, it also requires that your team is very active in the sense that uh, your developers are happy to help other developers who are not not in, in, in let's say, Aave, but are building something else, helping them, contributing to their projects. For me, it's very important that I can actually uh, help someone to, to, to build a better product and whether they utilize Aave or not, uh, because they're in the ecosystem. And it's important, especially security-wise, that everyone like kind of like gets the resources that they need. Uh, because you can build the whole reputation and lose it quite quickly if something goes wrong. You know, you almost get the sense with with uh, you know teams like Aave and uh, developers like Andre that they're not just building for their own products. Um, they're building for the entire DeFi ecosystem. Is that right? Yeah, 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 and I think we all are in the sense that, uh, and 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 the uh, the DeFi is just one step, like it's the step one, you know. And it's funny we, we started with 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 DeFi because uh, talking about the the whole Ethereum ecosystem because like it it just like finance makes sense to have financial backbone, 
But then there's going to be cooler stuff. There's going to be NFTs, collectibles, um, tokenized different kinds of value and, and, and e-commerce on, on chain. There's plenty of stuff. Once we realized that actually those barriers that we had in our, in our minds actually are just uh, restrictions for imagination, when we get that on the side, we, we will unlock the real capital, you know. I mean, if you can custody uh, and, and you can, you can uh, tokenize a dollar, why can't you tokenize a, 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 a TV or, or a uh, uh, PlayStation? And or or a game and and you know there's so many things you could actually do in the future and I'm bullish on on that side and DeFi will be this backbone that will will help help fuel more fire in these different spaces that we will see in uh, uh, in, in Ethereum. So Stani, I want to turn to Avonomics uh, and I want to read a little expert excerpt from the Avonomics introduction, just a very first sentence. The goal of the Aave tokenomics through its incentives and policies is to create a shelling point where the protocol's growth, sustainability, and safety take priority over individual stakeholder objectives. Stani, can you kind of give us the too long didn't read on the, I'm going to redo that. Stani, can you give us a summary of Avonomics and its uh, ethos and role and importance of the future of the Aave protocol? Totally, totally, and, and that that basically part of actually was 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 uh, uh, Jordan from our team uh, who, who basically led a bit the the uh, the the Ave project in in Ave uh, uh, came up with, and I, I really like the the, <laughs> the the quote. And what's what's interesting about Ave like we once we shipped the protocol in back in January, like that was like the very second thing we started to focus on the very next day. So so. We we continued straight away uh, to work with Avonomics. We didn't rest at all, and our goal was just to figure out like how like how we could actually uh, benefit our token holders. So we never thought about like token itself. Like it's just a commodity, like a a, a token for for actually uh, how the the uh, community can voice out, but how they could actually uh, like benefit from the protocol, but also like uh, contribute into it and we were thinking like what is the most important thing for a financial protocol like what's the most important thing and we were thinking that uh, like if something goes down let's say if 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 there is some sort of like a shortfall event failed liquidation or, or, or security breach or whatnot uh, that will be very devastating not not just for Aave but the whole space uh, and at some so, to some extent, we understood that the these protocols will scale, especially if there's adoption. I never knew that it will come more faster than I expected. But we know that like what we what we need to build in terms of like token economics has to also like under, uh, taking into consideration the the scale scale that we can uh, uh, scale at some point. But uh, we started to think that we really need to somehow get people to contribute to securing the, the protocol. And in essence, what the, the um, Aave token, it's it's basically a migrate token from the land to Aave, uh, uh, that we have the migration coming up actually quite soon. And the, the idea is that uh, when the token holders are making decisions, they factually are making decisions on risk parameters and risk-based decisions. So, so what kind of collaterals could be added into the protocol? What kind of markets could be created and risk parameters? 
and on the return they're taking uh, uh, the risk transfer so so they're they're taking the risk of what they're deciding and because they're doing that they basically get uh, rewards so so uh, there's passive and active risk taking so the the active risk taking is when you're uh, uh, staking into the protocol uh, you're staking your tokens and and uh, what it means is that if there's some sort of like a, a shortfall event, uh, let's say failed liquidation or uh, a bug or a smart contract hack, uh, what happens there is that uh, 30% of the the staked amounts that you're risking and getting rewards, so you're, you're basically earning Aave, uh, could be slashed, which basically means that they could be sold. And the passive one is the version where uh, if that stake doesn't cover uh and the loss is 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 more substantial. Uh, then there is this uh, maker style minting facility, and then we added uh, one additional function here is this built-in backstop module of stable coins that are placing auction bits and 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 buying that uh, uh, that uh, those uh, uh, slashed or minted tokens. And all of the reasoning why we came up besides like the the safety, like why this type of uh, mechanism uh, there were certain events during this year like the the black thursday the the flash loan attacks the the force uh, hack and bcx hacks as well and uh, what was interesting for us is actually to monitor like how was the aftermath handled and it proved some interesting parts like the maker model worked uh, in, in in one way i mean they, they were able to to use their their token economics to to cover uh, a deficit. Uh, then there was the uh, for that as well. There was there was this group of uh, individuals and and entities that went to this uh, die backstop syndicate, and that kind of like mimics our backstop module that is built in. And yeah, I mean the the idea is is kind of like focus on the safety, but we we have uh, liquidity. Uh, provider rewards, but they're not that substantial. And the idea is that when you get those rewards by providing liquidity, uh, you're incentivized to bridge them into the staking facility. And then uh, your governance is kind of like in line towards uh, making secure protocols. So you, you don't want to have this kind of well, uh, governance war where you have on on the on the one side you have you have uh, people who want safety, and other side you have people who want like higher yields and just providing liquidity. So it's actually like, even it, it, there's a lot of functions, the, the in simplicity, uh, we just want to use uh, the market capitalization of uh, Aave to, to recapitalize the protocol when needed. That, that simple, that simple explanation of, of, of my complex explanation. So when I look at the ecosystem overview, and for the listeners, this will be in the show notes, it's docs.ave.com slash Avenomics, where there's this fantastic, just well, A, explanation, just document of explanation, but some also some really nice graphics, which are really helpful to understanding how this ecosystem works. And, and Stani, when I look at this, I see a lot of different protocols having their influence in these graphics, right? Like I see components of synthetics and I see components of maker. I see like the compound governance module in here. Can you talk about the influences that have helped guide the architecture of the Avonomic system? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think for, for in, in terms of like uh, the, the kind of like uh, 
having the, the, the token as a way to, to secure the protocol. Like we looked quite a lot into uh, the, the maker model when it comes to the, the minting. Uh, the staking is more of like what we have in synthetics and, and this kind of like inflation. We were balancing between actually inflation and 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 the the uh, uh, reserve model and and we we have active had an active discussion in our uh, community forums and 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 it's it's actually quite interesting in terms of like even more what influenced us is is the Ethereum itself. So if you think about it, like uh, People in Ethereum, like they're not actually paying for transactions. Like you're, you're not paying that your transaction is, uh, like, saved. You're actually paying uh, for security in, in, in the sense that uh, you're, you're basically paying that uh, the, the transaction doesn't uh, get somehow manipulated in, in, in one sense. And and Ethereum as well, it has an inflation model. And so we, we tend to kind of like look what's happening in DeFi, but a lot of good stuff has been built already on, on the uh, blockchain network level. And, and, and Ethereum was a very big inspiration. And, and then we had SNX, uh, Synthetics, very influential and, and the maker model. And, and, like we, and, and we looked kind of like almost every major uh, protocol, how, how, their token economics were built and we tried to find like what's suitable for us, uh, for our community and what was the uh, narrative. And, and also like we, we look at Compound when, when Compound came with uh, also with the liquidity uh, mining and we, we just were following like how that develops. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a combination of uh, everything that's out there and picking like the pieces that fits well in what we're trying to achieve and and uh somehow i think we we did uh quite a good job but also i noticed that we we spend six months like uh every day a uh, lot of time in designing and uh like uh <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, funny that how long it takes to design token economics like it's not uh it's not that easy that, that 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 I usually have been thinking about, but uh, it took a lot of time to design. So I want to get into the backstop module a little bit more because I think that's one of the newest innovations that Avonomics brings. Uh, and so to to add some context, if you decide to purchase MKR for MakerDAO, you are taking the risk of the of the MakerDAO system because if a Maker ever becomes under collateralized, it needs to mint MKR to uh, fulfill that need, to fulfill that capital. And so as an MKR holder, you are therefore being diluted. So by buying MKR, you are buying access to the, you buy, you're buying exposure to the upside and you're also buying exposure to the risk. Now with the Aave safety module and the backstop module, there is a more explicit way to have more upside and more risk to Aave, separate from just holding the yep. Aave token in your wallet. Can you explain that differentiation and maybe just elaborate on the backstop module and how it distills risk away from one part of the system and compartmentalizes it into another? Yeah, definitely. And, and actually, uh, big thanks to you as well, uh, uh, David, because I, I read one of your posts where you ex explained it very well, the, uh, the, the, the maker model and, and also uh, some of the posts on, on uh, uh, kind of like what, what Ethereum is in, in uh, I mean, Ether. And I, what, what's... Uh, 
what's interesting about uh, this model is definitely like uh, we want to uh, make token holders to to feel that they're participating. So many, if you if you buy a token, if it's bearing just passive risk, uh, it's 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 less direct. Where whereas you actually uh, take take that value and, and and lock that value, and and actually you are uh, subscribing to a uh, another risk level, and that that also like is a risk transfer from from the passive holders to to the the uh, to the active ones, and also they get rewarded uh, in in that sense. So uh, I, I think like the it, it's a kind of like an interesting uh, combination, and uh, of course like if the if the short bar is substantial, that it doesn't cover the the stake doesn't cover the the full amount, then there is the the passive. Uh, uh, kind of like subscribing to the risk. So uh, definitely, I, I think like uh, as a model, this is more, uh, it has more ladders and I really like it because then you can decide to what kind of risk levels you want to uh, subscribe into. And uh, it, it's interesting to see how it will play out. I don't know if there's any similar tokenomics actively been, been for, for a while. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel this is the right thing to do, and and uh, uh, it's it really. Is, I, I mean, the good thing is that uh, it, it's basically up to the governance to decide uh, how to continue in the future and how to change uh, token economics, and that's the that's the cool part about uh, decentralized protocols. But uh, so far, so good feedback. Well, one thing I'm particularly bullish on is the ability to give users choice, right? And that is definitely, I think, what one of the goals of Avenomics is, is giving the user the ability to choose their level of risk. And that's definitely one thing that smart contracts really allow you to do if you harness their power correctly, is to be able to, you could, there's no such thing as eliminating risk. There's always risk. But if you can control and harness that risk in a particular way, that just means that the Aave protocol is going to be able to scale to more and more users, more and more capital, more and more entities using Aave. And so uh, a line from Ryan is that safety makes DeFi real world ready. Uh, so when you were building this safety module and this backstop module, were you thinking in the lines of just like scale and growth? Or were you just thinking in the lines of, of doing what you need to do to lock down Aave to be as secure as possible. What, what was going through your head as you guys delivered the, the backstop module? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, uh, uh, the, for us, what was interesting in, in the, uh, so, so the backstop module is the actual uh, kind of like a backstop for the uh, slashed or minted uh, Aave tokens that, that you, you, you put uh, stable coins and you can buy it. But the actual like uh, safety module is, is the, so it, there's two things, but uh, it's, it's, uh, they kind of like uh, compensate each other, but in terms of like what we were uh, thinking, uh, is that we we somehow need to uh, provide some some sort of a value uh, in case something happens. And the, the 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 problem that we were facing is that let's say if you have uh, one or one billion locked value in in the protocol or 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 more, uh, how what kind of ways we can have like to somehow ensure this this amount and the token economics is a interesting way because uh you could incentivize people to to stake and and kind of like uh 
and and use your market capitalization of of your uh, community uh, to who are actually making those risk decisions and putting skin on the game, and and uh, adjust the incentives in a way that uh, if the protocol uh, grows, the incentives should actually grow as well to incentivize more staking, and you get this kind of like a uh, value loop, and and the more the protocol go- grows, uh, the more actually. Uh, you can adjust the incentives to uh, incentivize more staking. And I, I think that is something we we hope to achieve in a way. I mean, whether it will work or not, it, it really uh, is, is, is uh, something we need to see in practice. But uh, at least we know that uh, we are able to incentivize uh, our community to... to provide this uh, safety and, and and time will tell like how, how it will play out. So Stani, this safety module and many of the things that we've been talking about that, I mean, that's just one piece of what you guys are releasing with what I think you're calling Ave V2, like a whole version upgrade. Um, I get, when is Ave V2 actually coming? And is there any other additional thing you'd highlight. I know it's, it's shipping with so much and we're going to include a, a note to the roadmap in our show notes, but uh, when is it shipping and is there anything else that you'd want to highlight for folks? Yeah, I mean, version two, we we started to work uh, quite a while ago. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's based on the version one uh, in, in terms of like as a base layer, but what we, what, what, what we worked quite a lot is on, on the uh, gas optimization and to get rid of uh, all this like uh, excess cost and we were able to reduce like uh, uh, ha- over half of the gas costs uh, even more and it, it, like we have a bunch of cool features but like this is so important to mention because like uh, you can actually you, you can optimize quite a lot and and by uh, designing things uh, in a in a right way and, and organizing, so so uh, that is something that I think is important because it allows uh, smaller deposits to be uh, utilized and 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 that is like because if you think about the gas uh, high gas price is actually a barrier to finance. So if you if you're spending in in gas costs so the similar amounts that you're that you're earning interest, it doesn't make sense to deposit and take the uh, the the risk, but uh, besides that, I, I think what's what's important that uh, we deploy with a lot of interesting features. So we're trying to help uh, users to to switch their positions. Uh, for example, uh, what you can do in in the Aave version two, you can swap your collateral. So you can you can if you're deposited, for example, uh, eat and you. You want to, and you borrow die, and you want to, for example, to get exposure to land. You can swap your collateral in in one click without returning your loan. So you, you change your long position, and and it enables actually collateral trading. So you can trade uh, collateral at the same time that you have borrowed. And we also have uh, debt swap, so you can swap uh, your debt position. So if you borrowed, let's say, die at 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 five percent. And you already spent that die or converted to to USD, and and you and let's say USDC is is a few percent cheaper uh, for some reason. Uh, you could actually uh, with one click uh, swap your debt 
to to USDC. So actually, you're making debt uh, currency swap, and you're making also uh, interest rate swap in the same uh, transaction. And you could perform all the all the three, even like the uh, uh, collateral uh, swap as well. And we're also having more trading functionality. Uh, there's going to be ability to trade on margin. Uh, uh, we improved uh, the, 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 the A tokens. Uh, and, and then, uh, I mean, there's a lot of features. I, I just, I think it's a long list that, that's coming up. But also, like, we, we improved quite a lot the base structure as well. And there's going to be some stuff that we haven't announced, but also like we we are going to deploy as well, which will be pretty cool things. But uh, something to leave a bit of in terms of excitement. Stani, you had me hooked on the fifty percent gas reduction, sir. <laughs> Every, like all, <laughs> that is definitely in these four hundred gui times. That is definitely something we are looking forward to. When, sir? When are we going to see some of this stuff? Quite soon, actually. Quite soon. <laughs> excellent the sooner the better <laughs> and, and at the pace you guys are shipping i think that um i'm interpreting soon to mean actually soon soon so uh very exciting i think for the, for the bankless community um can we talk about that though really quick i mean we're talking about um you know 50 reduction right so in gas fees that's great that's fantastic it feels like all protocols are trying to do that sort of thing right now in this high ETH gas price world. You also talked about earlier about like, you know, there's some some competition sometimes between protocols, but sometimes there's not as much coordination as you'd like to see. We were talking to Kane from Synthetics recently about this. Um, why isn't there a core, or maybe there's something I'm, we're not aware of, but is there a coordinated effort from DeFi protocols to work on some kind of a layer two solution, it seems like optimistic rollups are uh, sort of the the preferred solution. Um, if everything we're we're hearing and reading about them are, are are true, is there some kind of a DeFi rollup that DeFi protocols can coordinate on and to start building together? Any initiatives like that that could help solve this problem? Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely agree that the there there is like collaborations, but there isn't like actual like wider collaboration. Like, uh, and 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 somehow, if there would be like, I I feel that there's like a bit of like clicking in the sense uh, you might have projects in in Silicon Valley that are close together, and 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 then you have uh, other projects and that are somehow in connected together uh, and 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 somehow like what i saw in previously in defi like happen is that like some some projects were working very closely together and and uh like and and uh, trying to take the ownership of defi and, and that's something you can't do i mean it belongs to everyone every project that is uh in the space and and uh every user and and so forth so so uh, maybe that is one of the kind of like issues that we 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 are a bit selfish in that sense and need to coordinate a bit more. And of course, everyone has like uh, are busy and focusing on their own communities and also like uh, trying to build stuff. And but I I think we'll see some effort. I, I think like I, I truly believe optimism is quite interesting. Uh, Starkware is is some some quite 
quite cool. And, and Madik as well. Madik has some gaming activity and Avegachi, uh, a, a uh, Ave ecosystem project that, that is uh, launching this kind of like a funky, cool uh, NFT project uh, where you, you unlock uh, this Avegachi NFTs by, by uh, saving uh, on, on Ave. So that's, that's pretty, pretty fun. And so they're, they're looking into Madik. And I am seeing a lot of effort and coordination. It usually happens in a way that if 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 the DeFi community sees some su- success, then everyone else follows. And these multiple reasons, I, I I guess it's 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 a bit of like also on coordination, like what could be uh, the perfect solution, and also like many of the, for example, I have an issue in the sense that. I'm very good friends with with many of these layer two solutions, and 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 it's very hard to promise to everyone like uh, we will deploy here and there and, and like and you know like you're trying to please everyone at the same time and, and be very very like friendly and uh, I don't know I would see like when we see more tools that are able allows you to let's say to uh, transfer your funds from one layer two to another layer two. Like we we come more closer together, even this 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 layer two solutions themselves. But I but I think now I've seen a couple of initiatives where uh, projects have come together and and tried to make an ecosystem, and I think this will grow. And once there's just 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 couple of projects or few projects doing this, like rest will follow. Indeed. You know, the, some of the DeFi talk, uh, founders that we've talked to recently, like Antonio from DYDX, they're developing something on Starkware, which you mentioned. Uh, Kane had an interesting approach from from uh, Synthetics, where we we kind of talked about Ethereum mainnet being like Manhattan, and it's overcrowded and busy, and it's expensive. And he said, you know what I'm going to go do, and Synthetics is going to go do, is go build a, a Brooklyn, go build an, uh, you know, an OVM roll-up, and make that really nice, get kind of the tooling set up for DeFi, and then hopefully other DeFi protocols will, will come move to Brooklyn. Is that kind of the approach that, that you're thinking will happen? It'll be a few pioneering DeFi projects that kind of build it out for everyone else. And once they find some success, then everyone will sort of you know move over and coordinate that way. Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of like find similarities. Like uh, we have a, a like... In, in London, uh, all the like financial action and all the traffic and everything is is in, in the city. You know that's the financial center. All the jobs are there. But then we have uh, we have shortage, which is basically where the tech tech industry is. And you, it used to be a rough area, but now you, you see more and more startups there, and it, it's it's getting like better. And the ecosystem has grown there. And even Facebook and Google have offices there. So I, I definitely like this is exactly what like. Uh, I feel that actually you don't need to be in the very business place and that the most business place might have certain types of transactions, which requires a lot of security. But then when you want to innovate and, and, and you, you could actually go, uh, uh, you know, a couple of steps uh, on, on the side and, and build there and, and have this kind of like a clusters. So I, I definitely love what uh, Kane is, is, is visioning. 
So you guys just announced that you guys got a electronic money institution license from the UK Financial Conduct Authority. Uh, so I don't know personally as a uh, member of a uh, citizen of the US what that means. Can you kind of explain the significance of this license? Yeah, I mean, the 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 Aave protocol itself, it's it's decentralized uh, autonomously running in, in the uh, uh, on, on Ethereum network. Uh, but one thing we, we noticed that actually like Many people don't have access to this network, and and how like the steps to take and, and access uh, into to our protocol on or our like our ecosystem or define De- general. Uh, there's still many steps. They're not that many as 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 there used to be, but still like I, I think it's not uh, as much as available as it should be. So what we decided to do, and we actually started this work a couple of years ago in 2018. Uh, when 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 everyone else were, were fleeing out of the 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 the, the space uh, is uh, <laughs> is that we we wanted to actually uh, kind of ensure that uh, once we build this this protocols that actually there's access points and and one of the access points we we wanted to have actually uh, was was uh, our user interface as well like you can access uh, the other protocol from uh, I think there's like uh, yeah, 50 different ways in wallets. I mean, my Ether wallet, you can access and deposit and borrow and so forth. And and there's a bunch of cool uh, ways to access. And we wanted to ensure that uh, we could widen the demographic that, that is using using the DeFi. So we so we went and applied uh, last year. Uh, we we, we uh, put our application in and, and we got our electronic money license uh, uh, last month. And, and the idea there is what it means that uh, this entity that we have in UK that is practically responsible of integrations and, and so forth uh, can actually uh, build a, a gateway uh, for users to, to have a, a payments account where they can convert uh, national currencies into to stable coins, and then they can decide what to do with those uh, stable coins. And for us, the most important thing is that they could actually then dive into this DeFi world. So it's kind of like this idea of that protocols are the ocean, like uh, they're self-regulated and so forth. But then we have this kind of like a ports that where we're dealing with uh, uh, the local currencies and and so forth. Uh, we we have their regulation and that is something that uh, we want to test out how it will work will it bring new users uh, and will it bring a new adoption and and I'm really eager to see how things will move on that front yeah it's super exciting I mean it's something we talk about where there's like this bridge from the traditional old fi system right the fiat world and this new DeFi system and generally the uh, like the 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 groups that have kind of bridged that gap between these two worlds have been crypto banks, have been exchanges like the Coinbase's or the Binance's of the world, and Gemini's of the world, and God bless them. But wouldn't it be great to have a direct point of entry and port of entry and a direct bridge uh, from the fiat traditional banking system into a DeFi protocol? That seems to be essentially what this new license is unlocking for Aave. Yeah. Um, super exciting, particularly when we get into like, you know, layer two stuff too. And we can operate with the, the speed of, of centralized crypto exchanges as well. 
Yeah, and I mean it's it's the very same license that Coinbase is operating in in Europe. So I'm it's really exciting, like uh, how how it will uh, help in, like uh, adoption in the future. I I'm, I'm really like I want new users, like I I want people who never used DeFi to actually use, and and that is that is something that is close to my heart. All right, so uh, you know we usually at at this stage we're the bull markets, Donnie. So we usually ask about uh, you know bull market price predictions because price predictions are always fun. But you know what I'm going to ask is actually um, number of user predictions uh, and maybe amount of capital predictions locked up. So how soon we, we've got DeFi's got about maybe two hundred thousand users right now for being generous. How soon? until we hit 10 million? How soon until we hit 100 million? And how soon, this is something that uh, Vance from Framework said, uh, he, he thinks that there's the potential that we could get 500 billion in total locked value in DeFi uh, in the next, uh, you know, <laughs> in this cycle. Um, do you think that is possible? So g- give me user estimates uh, and then give me um, total locked value in DeFi estimates, if you will. Yeah, I I think we could easily have by end of the year. There could be definitely like a a a a. Uh, it's hard to estimate. I I, I usually get them wrong. <laughs> That's no, why they're so nice, fun. Yeah. everyone so, gets them wrong. So 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 let, let's be let's be optimistic. I think we'll have one million DeFi users by end of this year. And we will have um, let's 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 think of something very realistic. We have one hundred uh, billion locked value by end of this year. So yeah, either of them, I might be right or both wrong. I mean, I'm I'm really bad at predictions. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the past, uh, it sounds like when you were hoping, you know, to the end of twenty twenty, you'd have five million locked, and now you've got one point six billion locked. Uh, if anything, you've been underestimating it so far. So we will see. Those are bullish predictions, but um, you know we will. Yeah, Stan, if you could go ahead and be as incorrect by an equal order of magnitude, I'll I'll be down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely very exciting, uh, Stani. Thanks, thanks so much. I guess the last question for you is, what can the Bankless Nation do to to help Ave today? I think the most easiest way is to experience like uh, how how I mean just experience the 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 possibility of having uh, permission permissionless uh, permission permissionless uh, global savings account uh, by just holding a tokens. So getting a bunch of a tokens, let's say a DAI, a USDC, and and holding in the wallet and and seeing that balance grow uh, without any any transactions to to see it update uh, that is that is fascinating and what I really love and and hope to see is that uh, everyone spreads forward on what what DeFi is. Someone who you you might know might not know. I mean, tell about your tell tell to your friends, family, uh, and 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 what is DeFi and like why you what 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 do you see the value in? And that is something which brings more people here. And and the adoption, it's it's it, it comes in a way that we we kind of share it to others, and 
and and use a a tokens ADI as an example. Show how how the thing works and 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 get people excited. I mean that is something that you could help the whole ecosystem and 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 also help Aave. Fantastic. Well, you heard Stani Bankless Nation. He wants you to tell your friends about Bankless. Tell your friends about DeFi. Tell your friends about Aave. This this A token, which is essentially a programmable savings account. Uh, that you could just hold without a bank, all banklessly. Fantastic stuff. Stani, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome to ha- to be here. And um, thank you so much, uh, David and Ryan. Cheers. All right, guys, action items. A few things for you today. The first is we've written up a delegated credit explainer. You heard Stani reference it during our conversation. We've written that up at Bankless. We'll include that in the show notes. Also, second action item is read about Avonomics and the Ave roadmap. We will include some links in the show notes. Stani also mentioned an article that uh, somewhat inspired their tokenomics that David wrote. We'll include that in the show notes as well. Lastly, David, did you see we passed 100 stars, sir, on Apple iTunes? I just, I just noticed that in the past week or two. So we hit our goal. What's our next goal? Next, next goal is 500. Uh, we, I think you, Ryan, told me you got an email saying that we broke the top 100 podcasts in the investing and finance category. And again, it's just at the beginning of the bull market. And uh, I, I think it's with well within reason that as this bull market continues, you can see Bankless in the top 10 of the investing and finance podcast space. That's my personal goal. I want to do my best to get uh, to get Bankless there. And so I've gone and given my, uh, my own podcast a five-star review, and you should too. So by the time 2021 rolls around, by the time there's 500 billion locked in DeFi, Bankless is the top of the iTunes charts, and we are onboarding people into the Bankless world as fast as possible. And you can help in that effort by giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's do it, guys. Uh, Finally, risks and disclaimers. Of course, we always end with this. ETH is risky. Aave protocol is risky. Crypto is risky in general. This is not financial advice. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we are glad you are with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.